High five. High five each other. Oh, each other? Very good. Beautiful. Good. Mm-hmm. Wait. Uh, so now we're gonna count down. So now the audio will be synced in post. So now, whatever. All right, three, two, one, hit it, Adam. <laughs> All right, All right. hello everybody. My name's Stephen Gates. I'm a co-founder of Deep Hire. Here's my co-founder, Russell. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Russell Ratcliffe. Um, I'm originally from a very small. Oh, fucking god. This is live, Russell. This there's no cutting, yeah, there's no cutting. <laughs> Here, scary. I'll do your intro for you. Russell yeah, is sure. from a backwater village that didn't have internet until he was 16 years old and didn't have running water until one year ago. Yep. So he came into college not knowing anything about tech and came in with a smartphone. First time I ever saw a smartphone was on campus. And I was like, wow, you can just download apps on a smartphone and the app can do whatever you want it to do. Programming sounds pretty cool then. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? So Russell got into computer engineering. Is that enough of a head start? You want to keep going? Yeah, that's good. That's pretty much my story. Then from there, I continued on, um, built a whole bunch of stuff by myself, went to a lot of different like programming competitions, stuff like that, and been friends with Steve for three and a half years. I've been working on products, projects with Steve for three years, and we've been doing Deep Hire together for one year. Yeah, so, all correct. And for me, my story is not very similar. So I went to a pretty nice public school called Stonewater Falls High School, which is just a suburb of Akron, city of Akron. And throughout high school, I basically didn't do any schoolwork. School was always kind of boring to me, didn't really do much, but I did think it was super interesting just to get good at something. That was like the one thing. So for me, it was video games, where all I did was play video games, one video game and put 3,000 hours into. Dota 2. Dota, and then I got to like, I think 98th percentile of like players worldwide or something like that. And that to me was just super thrilling. Just the feeling of learning how to become super good at something. It doesn't really matter what. So I got to college, applying the same mentality to college. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. All I knew was that software and programming seemed to be the way to make an impact and to kind of honestly increase social mobility of yourself and your family. So it's like how, then I started attacking how do I get really good at programming? How do I get super good at this one skill that seems to be the way to get a job that pays $130,000 right out of college. So the dream was always to go to California and work at like Google or something like that, like every other programmer you could talk to in college. But then as I kept doing college, I realized programming actually isn't that tough. It's actually not that hard to do. So learning a base skill and then you go off, become a cog in this machine called Google because Google, all the employees of Google are kind of faceless. I mean, they do a lot of stuff and it's really cool. But for me, I just wasn't satisfied with the amount of impact I felt I could have in a real job. So that's why I was kind of drawn towards how do you make something bigger? Yeah, and then I go to Steve, as far, I kind of had the same dream of working at Google or Facebook or one of the big tech companies and Sure, you make a lot of impact where the stuff that you build reaches millions of people, but if you weren't there building it, there'd just be someone else there in your place just building the same exact thing. Yeah, I'd say that's another big thing that I've always think about, even now with my work with DeepHire, is what can I do that's completely unique that only I could do it? You know, what's irreplaceable, unique to me, what plays off of completely what my strengths are, and how do I figure out what my strengths are? So the next step for me is figuring out really what am I good at, what am I bad at, what do I like to do, what do I not like to do, 
which honestly is pretty typical for a college person, you know, college kid to try and figure out, figuring out what you're good at, what your strengths are. And then for me, I have the strategy of figuring out what my strengths are and then really just focus down on what can I do with the strengths. A lot of people, I feel like, focus on the weaknesses. How do you shore up weaknesses? But then there's that fun saying, you can turn your strengths into super strengths and become irreplaceable or turn weaknesses into mediocrities. Because you can't really turn a weakness into like something irreplaceably good about you unless you spend a ton of time on it. And throughout this whole process, I became fixated, still am, on this idea of growth. There's like how do you get growth in everything and everything, just overall. And it's always growth over outcomes. So with that in mind as like my own personal goal for myself and personal development and everything that I do, um, the quickest way to get really good outcomes is to focus on the strengths and focus on what you're good at and then how do you apply your strengths. And I completely agree with that mentality. Um, on another note is we are still like working a lot on just identifying where our weaknesses are or what our weaknesses are and being conscious about that and kind of planning around to take the best step forward with those in mind. Yeah, correct. We definitely have figured everything about ourselves because objectively we are still 22 years old. I think Russell's like 20 or 21. 21. 21. And so it's really just not being satisfied with what we know so far and always being curious and driving forward to kind of learn more because I know for sure there's more that I can learn about myself and learn more about what I can do. So for me, I'm honestly just driven by, I'm just curious like to see how far I can go in everything that I do because it's pretty interesting, which is very, it's kind of a throwback to like the Dota days and then before that, some of the stuff I, I did, was just like, how far can you go? It's just like, I don't know, super interesting to me. Wow. Yeah. So then towards the end of college, or I guess my college, Russell has one semester left as of this podcast. Um, so towards the end of college, I thought research was super interesting to me. So I wanted to get into research and go into like academia and become a PhD and become a tenure professor because that seemed pretty irreplaceable and focusing on stuff that I thought I was good at. But then realized the whole culture and the environment of academia wasn't super tuned towards me. So that's not what I went into. So my second thing that I thought would be interesting to me was kind of entrepreneurship, making your own company and making your own business because my parents both own their own businesses. Um, so I've seen what that lifestyle looks like. And so far for me, I thought to myself, all right, it's pretty well tuned towards what I'm good at and what I want out of my life. Yeah, so we, we first started exploring entrepreneurship, I'd say probably a year and a half ago, just kind of casually. It's where our strengths were. We're both very interested in it. And we already had a habit of basically identifying any types of problems that we found in like our, our lives or our friends' lives and using tech to build, build stuff to like fix those problems. And I guess last summer, Steve and I were both applying for internships and we applied to 30 to 40 companies each, uh, I'd, say, I'd say like over 100, even right? more, yeah. And that like really gave us a chance to see what the process looks like, how it actually feels to be like a job seeker trying to find a job in the like current labor market. And most of the time what it seemed like happened is um, you'd submit your resume to a larger company like Amazon or Google, and they use something called an application application tracking software. And like what an application tracking software is, is it 
basically, uh, you upload your resume, um, it does some useful stuff on the employer side as far as tracking, but when they are looking for something for a certain position, like software engineering, for example, um, they define a certain set of keywords, exact match keywords that it searches your resume for. And a lot of times, if you don't have the right keywords in your resume, then you're just automatically declined. And we also felt during the process, a lot of times, as a job seeker, when I apply somewhere, I would just like never hear anything back or never hear any kind of feedback. And it just wasn't a very friendly process at all. And then the same thing happens on the employer side is it's a huge problem because um, they basically are overloaded with applicants that don't really know a whole bunch about the company. They are just like applying to the company because it's convenient to do and they just want a job somewhere. Um, and we just hated this problem and we thought, how can we make the system better? Um, yeah, like you, yeah. to both of us, it seemed obvious. We're honestly both kind of shocked that this is the way recruiting has been and the way people have found jobs since forever. You know, like since the internet started, there's been like job boards and this is the primary way people find jobs. As the internet grows more and more, more and more people are finding jobs through job boards and just like spam applying through LinkedIn and all that type of stuff, mm. which honestly to me is pretty astounding that people keep doing something that isn't optimal. Like why hasn't anyone tried to fix it? So then we started exploring like, all right, what is the core root of this problem? Like honestly, at this point it was just curiosity. We didn't think we'd make a startup. We didn't think that we would like raise money and investment, like none of that type of stuff. We we're honestly just curious about, all right, this seems broken. I definitely think it seems broken because I'm not having fun while I'm doing it. So why is it like that? And how come every single person in America and so many people in the world do it this same exact way? And how can, how can companies that are worth billions of dollars and raise a hundred million dollars, they're just built off the same concept of how do you make this not fun system just you know the same, like they're not changing anything. And then a lot of times it's very much a guess whether you'll actually fit into a company once you start working there. Um, I miss myself and several of my friends that have had internships have like really felt what it's like to be at a company but not really like what you're doing or, what, or not like working there because you don't fit in or aren't interested in the work that you're working on or the, what, what the company's goals are. Yes, yeah, also the biggest thing is once you get a job through the system, now you're in this job and for me working, I had a nicer way because I was actually able to meet the people in the research lab and I didn't just spam apply and I got the job. But even then I was like, holy moly, this is actually what it's like. This is not that fun. I wish somebody had told me, I wish there was a way I could have known what the day to day is like. I wish somebody could have told me or I could have talked to somebody to actually know what, you know, like working in a research lab actually entails. And then Russell had the same exact experience with the company he worked for Smuckers. So putting two and two together, it's like, all right, even I had a leg up on Russell because I kind of like a more personal way of like getting my job because I actually knew Dr. Sastry and I knew some of the people in his lab. So I mean, with that extra information, I still went in there and was disillusioned. And then you had less information than me, had the same experience for me. So that to me was like, all right, if we both have the same exact outcomes, even though I was in a better position as him, there's definitely something wrong here. So then it's like, like, I don't know, it's just like so poopy. So we kind of thought to ourselves, all right, looks like the wrong people are getting to the wrong jobs. Even to somebody, this job, like Smuckers, to somebody, Smuckers would be the dream job. They would love working there. But, you know, like for Russell, that was not it. 
So we started out making a more or less a culture matching tool. We were making two different things on the company side. We were making something that was similar to a survey where companies can fill out this like questionnaire and it'll basically categorize their culture. And then very math based, yeah, very, very mathematical. And then on the job seeker side, they would fill out something very similar. And then boom, we know what the company culture is. Boom, we know what the job seeker, what they look for. And then we can just do matching from there. But there, there were a lot of problems with that idea in that direction. One of them was it was very difficult making the actual culture surveys for companies because a lot of it was based on psychology. And neither of us know a lot about psychology or, or research in psychology. Um, we were trying to more or less use what we knew about machine learning and those other principles. But like, it wasn't just as simple as applying an algorithm to the problem. And for us, our background up until that point, we had gone to a bunch, like for some context, we had gone to a bunch of hackathons. We're on like a pretty hot winning streak of just winning a lot of them because we took it pretty seriously. We went to a hackathon like every single weekend purely to make money and win. So that's like kind of how we used, we used hackathons as a vehicle and like kind of feeding into my competitive nature and Russell's is like use hackathons to win money while learning programming and also making cool projects and just learning more about problem solving. So we did that for probably a year. We just grinded hackathons, something like that, maybe a little bit less than a year. And we came upon this recruiting problem. So we attacked recruiting the same way we attacked hackathons, which is, all right, what cool tech what neural networks and machine learning can we use to quantify who would be the perfect fit for this company? And then we quickly learned once we actually started, you know, talking to real business people and like Jack and James, our investors, um, started talking to them and we went through this program called i which just had us kind of like a curriculum for how to make a company and how to actually get an idea off the ground. Making company isn't even like a big goal. It's just like how you take an idea from just idea phase to actually put it out there in the world and get people to use it and help people. So going through that, we actually talked to like HR managers and senior HR recruiters and all this type of stuff. And we realized that for them, they actually liked having humans to talk to. They didn't want a computer saying that this person is 93% similar in these five different ways they actually want to be able to talk to people and get a feel for them. But it's all very emotion-based. In an interview, a lot of it, like uh, there's a technical fit, which is just, do you know how to code? Do you know how to do marketing? Do you know how to sell something? And then there is a behavioral fit, which is, can you work with this team? Can you get onboarded and become effective in this, uh, with this manager? Are you a good teammate? All that type of stuff, like very emotionally based. and everybody wanted there were already a lot of solutions to quantify how good are you at technical fit and we weren't even interested in that we we're very interested in this culture fit this very emotionally how well do you fit emotionally wise to a company's culture and like who makes up the company like how well do you click with them will you actually become friends with them so we became obsessed with figuring out how can we predict if someone will become a good culture fit and it turns out math fails completely because math isn't that like machine learning just isn't that good yet it's just not that good so we had to it took us maybe four or five months of just building something and then we would talk to uh, for this hackathon we built something then we placed at the hackathon what we were at which was good because that was our goal and we took that took the same thing and started talking to real business people and they're all like spooked by it they're like oh gee like does this actually work like 
I don't know, it's really nice to be able to talk to people and learn about them and like the eye-to-eye -eye contact, you just can't get rid of that. And I was like, an exact quote. So then we pivoted a little bit towards the survey stuff Russell was talking about. We're like, all right, now it's a little bit more humanistic. Now it's a survey asking about your life and what have you done and all that type of stuff. And we try to, on the back end, have this whole infrastructure that says, all right, they answered a three and then a four and then a five for questions one, two, and three. So that means they are this thing. And then this company that's like this similar to their profile, you know, stuff like that. Very much like, what was it? Uh, OkCupid or something. They have like 150 questions, like to find your perfect match or whatever. Very much like that. And then for that, we talked to companies for another three months, just constant phone calls and figuring out how to get more HR people to talk to and all that type of stuff. And even that, they weren't super excited about. And then, again, another problem was it wasn't directly in our skill set either because um, a lot of it was based on psychology or orga organizational psychology, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, so just like business, business psychology and we did not have the skill set or the tool set for analyzing that. Yeah, and organizational psychology is just the study of how teams work together in a company. You know, how the people, the psychology behind people working at the same company and how to become effective at getting people to work together. And we're just honestly not good at that. Everyone who was good at that, they're all 55 years old and they've had a PhD in organizational psychology and all that type of stuff. So it's not with our strengths, going back to the whole strengths idea we we're talking about. So, so then after that, we really pivoted to something that, ha that would have more of a human connection during the process. And what we came up with was creating these things called media profiles about different companies, which showcases um, a set of employees that you'd be working with at a company, talking about their job, personal stuff about them and giving you an opportunity to see inside the workplace and see what it's actually like there before you start working there. So we literally just cut out because the overall the end game in the very beginning, the reason why I was frustrated about the research lab, I was like, oh man, I wish somebody could have just told me this is what it's actually like. Now we literally want to show that, like quite literally, there's no, you know, um, inferring what it's like or anything like that. We just want a literal video of what it's like for a day-to-day -day at a company. So you can actually see what it's like to work at Smuckers. You know, like Russell worked in the basement of Smuckers doing database stuff. Like if he had known that's what he was applying for, maybe his, de his decision would have been changed or maybe he would have loved it. And then he would go into Smuckers and loved doing this database type of infrastructure work. Uh, spoiler alert, he didn't like it, and that's kind of why we got set on this whole journey. So on the job seeker side, what it looks like is right now, we have a mobile app that you basically just go through the different companies on the app. Um, we recommend you companies based on a short amount of information that you fill out, which is just your resume and a couple other questions. And then through these companies, you can really, we have Engage, which is just some short clips from 30 to 60 seconds where you can learn about the general premise of the company, what their goals are. And then we have a company tour, so you can see around the company what your workspace would look like, what the rest of the company looks like, what kind of amenities they have. And then deep dive, which is longer clips from five to 15 minutes of current employees talking in depth about what they actually do day to day and other information about their job. So this whole thing, the goal is 
um, like going back to us, because we're very much solving a problem that we felt. The problem we felt was, I wish I was able to explore a company. Just like literally, I wish I could spend one week talking to people from the company and like seeing the campus and just walking around, seeing where I would work, seeing who I would talk to every single day. And we're trying to recreate that as much as possible. There's a strong belief that like the deep higher bet, basically we're gambling that that is, if people knew what it's actually like to work at this job, then they can pick and choose, just swipe between different companies, watch the different videos, and just pick and choose which companies they would feel like they're actually excited about. So by the time you actually interview with somebody from that position, you know everything there is to know about the company just because you're curious and you're already excited to work there before your first interview. And I guess we didn't mention this earlier when we were talking, but during that summer when Steve and I were applying to a ton of companies, we each had several offers for different companies for the summer, but we still, we still didn't really know what it would be like working there or what, what we would be doing, more or less. Yeah, like I had phone calls, I think I was with JP Morgan, and um, I was having phone calls with them just to just because I was curious, and I was like, all right, is there anyone else I can talk to about this thing? And he was like, yeah, sure, let me schedule something for you. They're very, very nice about it. You know, a great recruiting team. Because that's not typical. Typically people are like, oh, uh, nobody's ever asked me that before. But uh, JP Morgan was pretty good, so I would actually talk to everyone. I actually talked to my future boss, and then, I still didn't really know what I would be doing exactly. And I still didn't really know who I'd be working with, what team I'd be on. I didn't really know where I'd be in like the Columbus location, the New York location, all that type of stuff, and what those locations look like. So even for me, a company went above and beyond trying to make me feel at home. But even then, I wasn't really satisfied. Some didn't really know what it was at. And that's partially because Steve just got a very pointed view where he interacted with two or three people that were at the company and then... Yeah, like some people try to sell me yeah, at it. You know? Yeah, more or yeah. less. Mm. So they're trying to recruit and basically sell that working here is great, you should work here, which is very, very typical among companies. So we distinctly made sure to not have any of that type of stuff. So what we say internally is we only want authentic content. It should be like employer employees just talking to each other like they're friends because they are friends. And then it just so happens that something was re recording so that we can take that footage, put it on there. Now that's like the most authentic picture look at the day to day of a company. Almost like The Office, you know, except without the comedy and all that type of stuff. Well, those, there is some comedy, but yeah. Um, so that's how, and then the reason why we've even gotten this far is because we've identified a few good mentors. I know for me specifically, I have a big focus on mentorship. How can I find the right mentor for me? And, uh, mentorship really speeds up growth. Because again, I'm all about growth, right? Growth over outcomes, how can you optimize growth? And mentorship is a really, really good way to speed up your growth. So we found a few really good mentors in Jack and James from the Bit Factory, who turned out to be our investors. Um, we both started talking to them maybe about January, or for me in like December, month before December is November, right? So in yeah. November, I started talking to them just to ask them, what is it like to be an entrepreneur? What is it like to actually do the stuff you do? What do you actually do every single day? What's your goal? You know, like, you wake up, no one tells you what to do. So what do you actually do? And how do you decide what to do? Like, pretty cool, is what I thought. So I kept talking to them, and they just kept feeding my curiosity and talking to me all the different parts of their job and all that type of stuff. So we formed that mentor-mentee relationship. And going forward, when we told them the idea for Deep Hire, 
they're actually pretty enthusiastic about it because they it's pretty common you know if you ask any of your friends do you like your job a lot of people say uh, well not really but it's good enough so the people aren't saying yeah I fucking love my job which is a problem in my eyes and Jack and James recognize that that's a huge problem so there's definitely a good chance we can take a stab at solving at least a part of it and improving the lives of some people. Um, so through their support and a lot of other people that we talk to, just like piecing together, I mean, literally, I don't think it can be emphasized enough. Whenever I thought somebody had some idea about entrepreneurship, I would literally figure out what their phone number is and I would try to set up a phone call with them, like Julie's mom. You know, it was like, yeah. she gave one talk about entrepreneurship and I was like, huh, so she owns a business? Julie, can you show me your mom? You know, like super weird. I didn't even know Julie at the time and her mom definitely didn't know me or anything like that. But it's that type of, I don't know, what do you call yeah. that? Mentality? Yeah. It's just super useful to actually get out and talk to people that are actually living it instead of just reading about it online. Yeah. It's like applied curiosity. Like I'm already curious what entrepreneurship is actually like. And then there's an opportunity right in front of me to talk to an entrepreneur. Why wouldn't you talk to them? Even if it seems awkward to ask for an introduction to somebody's mom or like the construction company, I don't know if you were there, but oh, Emerson was, he was freaked out that in a study room, we left the study room for a little bit and another group came in and I walked back in to get our stuff. And then it turns out one person said, I'm a civil engineer. It's like, oh, do you know Walter Construction? And then the kid was like, oh no, but my dad works for one of the competitors, Shook Construction. I was like, oh. That's sweet, what's your name? Jacob, nice to meet you, I'm Steven. Can I talk to your dad? And he was like, yeah, sure, here's his card. And then I called him and talked to him for 45 minutes about what it's like to be in the construction industry. Because at the time, we were looking at using Deep Hire for the construction industry. And I don't know, it just so happened that there's a construction person like fell in my lap. So you just apply curiosity. You know, I was already naturally curious about what his job was like, how does he see recruiting, what does recruiting look like in the construction industry? And so it's just like going the one tiny extra little bit more that might be awkward at first or kind of scary at first to talk to a stranger about his dad and talking to his dad, getting a phone call with his dad. But it's just doing that one tiny extra little thing that you think is a little bit more awkward than you're used to. And then all of a sudden you keep doing that for six months because your head's down, you're focused on doing stuff like that. And you wake up, you look back and it's like, holy crap, I've actually done a lot of stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's going through things like that and then uh, just over time, applying that curiosity, we both kind of use resources from University of Akron, like the Excel Center. I think Excel Center from Anul, he introduced me to James at the very beginning, back in like November, because I told Anul I was interested in learning more about startups, and he knew James, James of startups and investors and invests, stuff like that. The Excel so, Center also gave us the tickets for Flight for Innovation, oh yeah, that's which is... Flight for Innovation was just a startup conference around the Akron area that Steve and I and a couple of other friends went to before we actually got into entrepreneurship when we were still in very much the exploratory stage. Yeah, I think that's actually the first time I had a real conversation with James where he had a booth for yeah. Yeah. Booth Factory we were just like walking around. The PayPal Mafia. Yeah. yeah, he went on a rant about how in California a PayPal Mafia was created where PayPal was one of the first unicorns or whatever back in like 2000 and they exited and then the founding members all came out with a ton of money like tens of millions of dollars each and then this group of friends or co-founders basically went back and invested in new companies and just because of that it became the biggest baddest 
best investors were all from PayPal or the ex-PayPal employees, mm-hmm. co-founders. I turned into the PayPal Mafia and he got really riled up about it. Like, he was like, now how do I make that an acronym? How can we make that an acronym? This is how we start with the BitFactory and with people like you. It was a great sales pitch, mm-hmm. but didn't even feel like I was getting sold to. It was the mm-hmm. best sales pitch. Um, so just talking to them, through support with them, we got started in startup or startups. And I guess I'm trying to stress that we didn't even know, I mean, like rationally planning out six months ahead, 12 months ahead, we knew that we'd be making a startup. Like that's, if we keep going down that path, we'd be getting into startup stuff. Uh, but like emotionally and day to day, I did not think about making a company every single day. I just thought about what's the next thing I was curious about related to recruiting and how can I learn more about recruiting? Cause it turns out it's a way bigger problem than I thought it was actually. Mm-hmm. All that type of stuff, and then my day to day was really filled up with what's the very quickest next step I can take to get me closer to that goal of learning all I can about recruiting and this recruiting problem. And, and that's where stuff like talking to Julie's mom and talking to the construction guy comes in. Yeah, I would say that was the biggest thing when we first started was we thought we had this problem, but how do we actually know? We're two 20 year olds. We haven't actually had any experience recruiting people ourselves. So we had no idea what it was like from their side. So we had a lot of uh, customer interviews with people that are in HR that have had experience and we were able to use their feedback to then like shape what we built on development side. Yeah, which goes back, I, I guess for me, I don't know about for you, but for me it was, goes back still to apply curiosity where even for then I wasn't thinking all right, now I have to get feedback from real people and see if what we built was good. For me, it was like, here, I built something. I wonder if it's actually what I think it is. You know, like, let me talk to one more HR person just to get their thoughts on this. Mm. I, I was referring to slightly before that, before we had anything built, and we're just purely exploring the idea. Oh, just the concept of recruiting? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just, like, see, just like it, straight it's up. Just useful yeah, yeah. space. Talking to, anyway, I think I talked to like all my professors too, because mm. you know, they're the people I spent time with every single day for classes. But yeah, so then going forward, fast forwarding a little bit, the summer we co-founded, even with a third co-founder, Nick Crawford. Um, Then we all got together, got a house, got an investment because we were able to convince Jack and James. I mean, at that point it was a super, also pro tip, if you're looking for an investment, don't go in cold or with a cold relationship and pitch to them and get them on board. It's way nicer to have a relationship with a person who just so happens to be an investor. So you can basically talk about your business and your business idea for 12 full months until you actually ask them for investment. Like that's definitely the way to do it. Cause I think our investment negotiation, I don't know if I told you, I was in California with Cam cause like we were doing software lab and mm-hmm. went to California. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up at like 9 AM or something like that, or maybe 12 cause I was like jet lagged. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on Slack, James was like, hey, and I was like, so, and then he was like, so about the investment, you have you talked with Russell? Do you know what numbers you want? And I was like, yeah, we think 5% is good. I was like, 5%, okay, sounds good. Here's some paperwork, I read this over, talk to anyone you need to. I recommend finding a lawyer just because this is legal paperwork and I'm not a lawyer. And then I was like, eh. You know, there's like no pitch, there was no mm. uh, whatever. Because at that point, he already knew what we wanted to do. He knew all about Deep Hire. He helped us form the LLC. Yeah. Him and Jack helped us form the actual LLC with Ohio and, and all that. I think it also helped a lot that Jack and James and us have very similar mentalities on life. And we're just very similar people people in general. Yeah, it's like goes back 
if you're looking for, again, pro tip for investors is you don't, well, typically, you know, every stock's different, but typically the best investor is someone you're already comfortable with bringing onto the team. So it's not just dumb money where you don't go out, pitch and get $500,000, but that's all you get. Like with Jack and James, we got 30K plus mentorship, plus a friend, plus, you know, their network. So it's much more powerful, more of an impact than just um, $30,000, which goes back to the whole relationship thing. Where since, especially entrepreneurship, it's just the people game, you know, like you just, or as far as I can tell so far, is that you just talk to people, be a good person, and then just by the way the world works, good people like to help good people out. So just over time, you make friends with good people and then you just help each other. And then that's when, turns out, some of them are investors, mm. you know, stuff like that. I'll say this stuff with Jack and James as well could be ascribed as what it feels like to have good culture fit. Yeah, that was a good point because we basically are on the same page on like mm. every decision or yeah. every talk we have with them. It's basically mm. on the same page. Mm. Yeah, there's like no friction. There's no communication errors because we're not sure why they said something. It's just like obvious, like, oh yeah, because that's what I would do. Mm. And here's how I do it. And they always share the reasons. So going forward, we just want to detail what our story is and what have we learned so far. And as we learn more stuff, we want to kind of figure out how we can best help people through our story. Because what we are doing, I recognize, oh, by the way, one small thing I never like, when people are apologetic about what they're good at, or mm. even it seems like it's yeah, ego driven or something like that. Yeah. But what we're doing is unique. You know, like we are not the typical college boys. You know, the typical person gets a job and all that type of stuff. Or lives with their parents for a little bit and then gets a job. Mm. But we are very atypical. So I want to help other people who think that they might be atypical, all that type of stuff. So I think we're reaching up on time. And I we're guess we're the hook. out of time. <laughs> I guess we are already so, out of time. So next time we'll just talk more about our journey. I think we ended off in, let's say that's like probably August. And we'll talk about the bigger pivots that we had to do and how yeah. we got there. And just going more in detail about how we got to what we're doing right now and raising that money. Yeah, thanks guys.